0: think we're good uh welcome in uh to people watching listening I have a special guest in the building I'm your host David West special guest man Devin Walker uh if you don't know if you don't know Devin he's uh currently director of global leadership and social impact and uh more than anything man he's um he's been a very integral part to uh my growth at the at UT Austin because obviously I came in from PV uh which is a whole dynamic culture shock right and Coming in from that to a 4%, uh, PWI, 4% black community at a PWI, obviously a big transition, man. And you've been an integral part to that transition. You've mentored me. And again, man, you've done a lot for me. And uh, I can't tell you how much uh, I appreciate you, man.
1: Appreciate that, man. Appreciate your kind words, man. For sure. Just out here trying to do the work.
0: For sure, man. Uh, I, I guess a little background, man. So from the West Coast, uh, came to Austin uh, around... When did you come to Austin?
1: 2013, for my man. Right.
0: Sounds good. Yeah, if you wouldn't mind, we could definitely start right there, man. Kind of that transition for you, coming from the West Coast, transitioning to Texas. Uh, what kind of culture shock is that for you, man?
1: So, well, well actually, <clears throat> so I went from L.A. I went to college in Wisconsin. Talk about a culture yeah. shock, man. Yeah. <laughs> Break it down, man. Great I've never life, lived in the West Coast. News. Yeah. It was Wisconsin was 92% white when I was there, 1.8% black. So wow. the whole student of color population from America was 5%, and then wow. we had like 3% international students, and then 92% white. It was crazy. Wow. Um, and you know it's funny, man. I remember being in high school, and this is just shows so how distorted and mis educated some of us could be in i'm taking myself here some of my best friend he was going to morehouse and they was kind of questioning me like man why aren't you thinking about hbcu i'm like man like why i want to go to a diverse school you know i want to go to a college yeah. that's diversity why do i go to all For black sure. school?" and then i went to an all-white school i mean they gave me a scholarship <laughs> but um i guess it it gets at the point that i you know if you're not informed about that some, some of that stuff from your family you know, HBCUs when you're young and, you know, I'm mixed and my dad didn't go to HBCU. So there was less of a push to that in my household. Mm. Uh, it just shows how miseducated we could be about some of our own historical institutions. So I ended Word. up sponsoring hella white, hella cold. Uh, <laughs> studied abroad a couple of times. That's where I got into my, you know, travel stuff.
0: Yeah, we'll and, definitely get into that.
1: And then um, went back to L.A., And then eventually I went to Korea because I couldn't get over the, I had to travel, but I went to Korea, taught English in Korea. So I transitioned from Korea to Austin. So that was a hell of a transition, man, because I was having a good time in Korea, man. I was...
0: I believe it, man. We're going to get into that too. You was teaching English out there, right?
1: Yeah, teaching English. Yeah, definitely going to get into that. All right, we're going to say that there.
0: For sure. (laughs) For sure. let me see so it's interesting you bring up the, uh growing up in the you said the uh 95 percent white uh environment right nah, hell
1: oh. no. 92 percent at wisconsin but i'm from la so i, I grew up yeah yeah, yeah. first community sorry yeah yeah got culture, you yeah and, um you know have primarily black friends growing up okay so, yeah went to an institution that was okay right.
0: i got you i guess it's very interesting because my story is uh pretty similar I, so Obviously landed at Prairie View in 2016, and my thought process, man, I will to be around some diversity, man. I, I want to get out of high school and uh, see all different walks of life, different cultures, and uh, that's a lot. That that has a lot to do with why I end up making the decision to transfer out and uh, go to UT Austin, man. But it's interesting, man. I want to get your thoughts on this, actually. So I don't know if you follow a guy named Bomani Jones. He's a ESPN uh, commentator. He has. This, he, he said this in an interview, man. It was talking about. HBCUs mess around to be the most diverse period out of everything. It's because you bring in, uh, you bring in all these different uh, cultures, walks of life, and they're from different economic backgrounds, right? So you're bringing in students who uh, you bring in students who come from different uh, income households, different situations, et cetera, and whereas a PWI in some cases, definitely not all, but in some cases maybe strictly the white privileged the white uh you know uh steady household steady everything right whereas a whereas hbcu uh more diverse on the sense of uh you have kids coming in from all walks of life different uh impoverished uh, communities and different things such as that um i want to get your, t- your thoughts on that man cuz i was uh that was different when i heard that man i don't know if you uh agree disagree uh, yeah i, I would was-
1: agree i mean and I'm definitely no expert on HBCUs. I mean, to yeah, start. yeah, me either. <laughs> but, um, you know, also there's, there's a fair amount of racial diversity. One, black people are so heterogeneous. You know what I'm saying? There's hundred percent. That is light skin as me. Shit. You might be a little more Brown, you know, all the way <laughs> to a real, a, a darker skin brother, or sister, you know, and, and all of our walks are quite different. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like <clears throat> racism, colorism is at play. hundred percent. And, um, so I think HBCU, man, for my friends who went to HBCUs, they seem like they had incredible experiences. They got taught with a lot of care. Um, they got taught to think from black perspectives. Um, and then, yeah, they're still, we're st- they're still in a city, right? Most cities are pretty diverse. I don't know, HBCU kind of reminds me of Atlanta, right? It's like based in blackness, but it's mad diverse. Mm. Right. Because you even think about some of the sports team in HBCU, some of the golf team, like baseball team. They got white folk in there.
0: Of course, they a, of course.
1: In there. And, um, you know, their open admin policy and many of them, you know, they take, you know, it's built in social justice. So it's about educating those who are left out of these other institutions. So that in and of itself casts such a wide net. You're going to get such a diverse group of people, diverse group of experiences and really a great learning environment. Um, so that's definitely one thing that I wish I would have. I guess been more open. I probably still went to Wisconsin because they gave me a full scholarship. So you can't gotta,
0: ignore that one. <laughs> opportunities
1: are, but. Hundred um, I've definitely grown a lot in my thinking since then. I guess I just wish that, you know, more parents would start to have these conversations earlier with their kids. You know about mm. higher education and what does it actually mean to learn, right? Because we go to these certain institutions like a UT is ranked really high, but. What is the actual learning environment? Could you learn more out of Prairie View, learn more about how to influence and impact your community, how to build up your community, how to resist some, some of these social hegemonic uh, structures, right? So it, it, I think oftentimes we get convoluted in thinking that white is better or a white institution is better. But I really think it depends on your goals, you know?
0: For sure, man. I echo a lot of the sentiments you just said. And uh, I actually had a PV professor on uh, a couple weeks ago, right? And uh, I guess I won't uh, get into the entire conversation. But uh, essentially, man, one of the things I left with from that conversation was uh, sort of take away uh, the the knowledge I'm learning from a PWI and then going back to PV in the future and applying that knowledge and uh, incorporating some of the, the way pwis do things the way they educate their students and just transfer that back to pv man and that's uh kind of me doing my part to uh, uh you know be a be a resource and vice versa
1: too right of course
0: like, of course of course you gotta
1: take the stuff that's happening in pv and, and of course that these. and that's what we're i think in many ways what we're trying to do within the division of diversity is man, we really try to create an atmosphere that that helps students feel like they are in a black community or that they have a system of care and support. We're like, nah, we generally care about y'all, not just your grades, you know, your holistic development, like what's going on with your parents, like what's going on with your mental health, your emotional health. Like we talk about relationships, you know, we really do try to create a culture in many ways, learning from the HBCU culture. Definitely, uh, We try to create something like that at, at, um UT which is challenging but I think we're doing a good job.
0: No, that. I uh, completely agree man. We got the MEC and again the DDCE who I've uh, worked with you obviously uh work with. Um yeah man, we can kind of jump right into that. it's a good transition. Um sort of uh you 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 land at Austin, right? I, I know we're kind of skipping some steps here. We're going to get back to his career okay. and studying abroad and everything, but uh I guess uh in Austin man, kind of being an educator and also being someone who's again the front man of for uh, global global uh, global travel global issues all that different things man you kind of you being again the forefront of that um how did how did how did that sort of come about so how did you land at austin and then how did you kind of become that uh global figure person? yeah
1: so man again man i guess i've always lived my life man take advantage of the opportunities that are presented to you right um and i got accepted into ut i didn't get no money so I ended up calling Dr. Moore. He's like, cool, man. I'm actually like in Vietnam backpacking at this point.
0: And this was not to cut you off. This is for your graduate, right? This was after you left. Yeah, so like, I'm yeah.
1: trying to come to, to come to get my graduate degree, my master's. And, um, you know, so I, we set up a call. I go to, I'm in Vietnam. So I go to this little coffee shop, get on the internet, uh, mm-hmm. And you know, I'm like waiting for the call. And I get him on the phone. He's like, "Hey, man, you know, I'm running to a meeting. Actually, I'll call you back in like an hour or 2 I'm like, "Nah, man, I'm in Vietnam. I'm like twelve hours time difference. I'm at a coffee (laughs) shop. Like, well, you can't call me back. You know, like that's not how it really works out here." He's like, "What, man? You you in Vietnam? Are you black?" I'm like, "Yeah, man." And he said, "What you doing?" I'm like, "Man, I'm backpacking." He was like, "Backpacking? What you mean by yourself?" I'm like, "Yeah, man. I was out there for like three months with a backpack." And um, he's like, "Cool, man. I got a job for you." I want you to run my global stuff. So I'm like, cool. Wow. So later that summer, um, so this was probably right at the year, right, just about to get it to 2013. Okay. I'm still out in Korea, but here in Austin, he takes his first group abroad to China in the summer of 2013, right? And um, they had a great time. And I think they had like 40 students. It was a really successful trip. So then in the fall of 2013, that's when I get back on campus. And he kind of wants me to, like, you know, take charge of that initiative this year. We're going to be going to South Africa in 2014. He wants me to help lead the program, develop some mm. of the program recruitment, all that stuff, really just be a face. And I was also TAing for his classes, and I found so I had about 60 students I worked work with. Okay. And um, man, they love the stories. You know what I'm saying? Especially, I just came from Korea and backpacking, so I was like, it was like fresh on my mind. And I had stories for everything, and they was loving it. And man, so many of my students in those classes ended up going abroad. And when you think about the only 10% of college students go abroad, those mm-hmm. numbers of Black and Latino students are even smaller. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, man, like 50% of my classes that I taught would go abroad, right? And I think he could see it, and I was just excited. Like, it's always been a passion of mine. Which maybe we'll get to that story later. Since I since I first in South Africa, yeah. I was in a passion, man. Like I gotta help other Black and Brown kids travel. Like there's something liberating about this, and even if I can't pinpoint what it is for each specific individual, like there's something liberating. Yeah. And, um, so man, I just the opportunity was there. He was like run this stuff, so I just started creating more programs um, and was really excited about it helped do recruiting that year. We took about maybe 40, 50 students to South Africa. And then we've just kind of been growing in 2018 we took 81 students to South Africa, 55 of which were black. Yeah. And, um, so when I graduated, I did my two years master's. Then I, then I rushed through my PhD in three years somehow. Mm. Uh, and I studied the, the influence of international education on black male student athletes, division one student athletes. Cause oftentimes they're let, left out of the equation due to their, you know, their responsibilities, they don't get access to this. And um, my best friend in college, he was a black student athlete and he got injured and he really struggled finding himself after that and really, you know, went got depressed, went through a lot of different emotions, um, ended up in rehab. And once his football career was taken from him, it was like his whole identity was taken from him, Mm. right? And oftentimes I think black men are put into these boxes about what does success look like for you, that you can be successful by being an athlete, by being a rapper, uh, instant gratification, by getting money quick. You know, there's certain ways in which black and success are equated. Um, And then once that's stripped from you, it can be hard to find yourself, you know? And that's what happened to him. As for me in college, I couldn't stand in Wisconsin, man, it was hella cold, hella white, I already mentioned.
0: (laughs) So I'm traveling,
1: I'm getting out, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, if I can make it here, I can make it anywhere. Of course. Uh, and I realized man, our, our identities, my best friend, minds is just expanding. I'm seeing the world. I'm like learning all about myself, the world, who I am in relation to other people, seeing black people at all corners and crevices of the world, having a better understanding of what global white supremacy actually is, coming mm-hmm. to understand my own privilege as an American and how that is even built off of white supremacy. And so the The internal contradictions that you have when you're traveling grappling with your privilege that you get as american but you're still black it's like you know it's interesting Mm -hmm. so my mind is being blown his on the other hand football was taken from him and so it's like his identity was even more foreclosed upon and uh he struggled so that's why i did my my research on that um and uh when i graduated i uh yeah they gave me an opportunity to do a postdoc here and Mm. direct the center create a center and direct it and uh come up with new initiatives new international education programs and
0: uh not to cut you off how did um kind of getting back to you becoming the face of this program because it's, it's obviously it's a, a it's a big part of ut and a big part of studying abroad and study abroad this is a integral part of ut in, in itself so when dr moore for the people listening and watching if you're unfamiliar with dr moore man uh, very uh very connected in the he's obviously an african-american man he's very connected in the black spaces uh conducts black studies classes and courses man and i've uh, never met the guy but i've def- i've only heard good things right so um aside from so because i feel like aside from you obviously having the global studies and you're you've traveled study abroad in different areas right um how important did he voice to you that the importance of having like a black man be the face of the study abroad at a pwi uh how does he kind of was that something he voiced you like man i feel like this is an important uh this would be important i think it's
1: unsaid right i mean the face of study abroad is a white woman Mm. right and i think when certain communities have been restricted have had restricted access to certain spaces Unless you come out and tell them, hey, this space is for you and recruit them into the space. Why would they automatically think that, like, yeah, I'm really wanted in this space? Right. Um, so for me, when I got here, yeah, man, I got I got a big presence. I like talking to people. I like engaging folks. And it, he gave me a huge platform. He, he's always want to share his platforms. So, you know, he teaches a thousand students in the fall. Every time I go class, he's going to call on me. What you think?
0: Moore, what you think?
1: And um, continues to be able to provide me voice and just, you know, I think when students meet me and they could s- understand how travel has influenced me and how you make it work, how you figure out a way to finance it, and overall, it just makes you a better person, right? I think it, right. it. And and I was able to keep going on the trips. I keep building more community, and the students, man, the students are the main marketers of it, right? They come back and they're like, "Man, that was the best thing I've done as a college student." So they really sell it, you know what I'm saying? They sell it to each other, uh, which is what we want, right? It's better to, for the students to be selling up word of mouth. That means it's actually having the impact that we want it to have rather than me just up here like a salesman. Like, Oh, you need to go abroad. Like, no, we kind to get kids to go abroad and have these transformational learning experiences because it helps them individually. It helps them academically. It helps their professional network. Um, they get project-based internships when they're abroad. Um, something to put on their resume mm. and um so man yeah I somehow i just you know i gotcha. take a of the opportunities that were in front of me and, and of course yeah so. of
0: course look now doubling back to the uh, uh not doubling back to the uh your your uh your teaching is in korea man let's let's dive into that man what was that like what was that experience like i don't think man, you ever it, was me this far. it was great
1: yeah. it was great it was a lot of fun um interesting so i had always wanted to go to southeast asia because i had a i had a friend in college and through that relationship i learned a lot about uh world the vietnam war and how we just destructed a region that and i didn't learn about this in class right was this
0: after uh it's not a off. sorry was this after uh you graduated, uh, your undergrad or was this after? Yeah, so,
1: this? I, I, so I learned about this while I was an undergrad, right? So okay, I went okay. back to LA, oh, yeah. I was, um, working at a nonprofit and, you know, doing college access stuff. And I was really loving it. And I had an opportunity to go to New Orleans and take like a director type position. But for me, I felt like I was young. I was 25, 26. And I'm like, man, do I really want to just like, Start doing the ladder thing, go up the ladder and just like, is that really where I'm at? Or do I want to keep exploring the world and further learning who I am? So Mm. I'm like, man, I'm going to go to Korea, teach English, save up enough money for a year so that then I can go to Southeast Asia and backpack for three months. Right. Because in this country, how can you go? You can't travel for three months. You can travel for maybe 10 days with your job. Right. So I knew I was going to have to like pick up and move and like really start over in order if I wanted to have a three month trip. Because right, how am I going to pay rent back here in L.A. for three months? It just wasn't
0: yeah. sustainable. I like, yeah. So I was like, all right, I'm
1: going to pick up, go to Korea. I chose Korea because they pay good. I was able to live near a beach. Mm. And, um, yeah, those are two reasons.
0: Let me ask you, because you said something really important just now, man. And I'm always trying to figure out uh, – self self-care self-development man trying to figure out what's best for my well-being man you kind of touched on it how uh going to career for you man it was kind of a sense of finding yourself right before you started uh uh really pursuing your path right it was kind of would you say kind of a sort of an exploration into yourself kind of means
1: or? yeah certainly man it was it was a personal goal you know what i'm saying And so many people around me man were influencing me like oh you have this great professional opportunity you have a chance to be a program director at a, one of the best you know what i'm saying college access programs in the country at 25 26 like do you know what that's gonna do for your career and this and this and that and i'm like yeah but my life is more than my career right i'm like a human mm. being and i've always wanted to go travel there and, and kind of learn right and and experience and you know it's beautiful down there too or whatever right like islands and just great weather so yeah i guess breaking Uh, it down
0: uh just is that something you'd i don't know if you've advised students to maybe because that's a big that's a big uh it's a big leap man you know that's a big uh thing Uh, have you advised students to think about these type of things and uh, sort of the uh yeah
1: i advise students to set small big medium goals whatever it is and accomplish them and the more comfortable you get accomplishing goals that you set for yourself, then you will figure out in doing that, those little small goals, you will figure out your path, right? So many people mm-hmm. want the answer just to be given to them on like a platter, like, oh, this is my path. Like, nah. 100%. No, some people come to college and know exactly what they want to do, but most of us don't, right? So Definitely. it's really about, well, what what's the small thing that you know you want to do, right? That question of like, what's your career goal? That can be overwhelming for young people, but if you break it down we're like what's one small thing what's one small thing and you start accomplishing those goals you get used to living for yourself right mm-hmm. and living for your own development for your betterment and um, mm-hmm. yeah kind of being able to resist some of the social pressure to align and get a family and settle down and you know all that kind of stuff um, so that's what i really meant advising so some of that so for some yeah advising if they're interested in exploring international education or teaching abroad um yeah do that if that's something that you want to do um, but what's more important get comfortable accomplishing goals that you set for yourself and that'll kind of like lay the paperwork for your future
0: word um diving into sort of what you're doing now man the importance of the i guess the theme of this the importance of globalization man um i follow a cat who uh he calls nationalism a disease, right? Because it's, uh, we're so consumed. we we only care about in a sense, what's going on in the U S what's going on around us, what's going around in our community. But, uh, he kind of emphasizes the importance of being a global citizen and being, uh, this is something yeah. I'm also trying to work on currently, you know, trying to, uh, be up on foreign policy, be up on things transpiring on a day to day everywhere, Africa, Asia, anywhere. Right. So, um, you being so fluent in this area, man, can you kind of break down the importance of uh, globalization and why uh, that's an important thing to do, be informed on what's happening co- globally?
1: Man, the world is so small. Everything is interconnected, right? And it's like, part of the reason why I want to go to Southeast Asia is because I realized, like, I was not taught a true history of Vietnam War and all the things that we did. And I'm implicated in it. As an American, I get... Certain access, certain benefits, certain privileges. And if I'm not aware of what my country has done to afford me that stuff, then I'm part of the problem. Mm. Right. And it's the same way, it's so easy to critique someone with privilege. Like right now, like, you know, all these movements happen, which is great. It's very easy to critique a white person and say, like, yo, you have white privilege, you know, why don't you do something and disrupt it? But we all have privilege as Americans, right? But of what does it mean to disrupt? That is a challenging question, right? Privilege is something that you don't necessarily see. So sometimes it takes you to get uncomfortable, go to a space. Man, I had some moments when I was in you know, Vietnam with some people that did not like that I was American. You know what I'm saying? that. Let me know what our country did to them and to their family. Man, I went to this one little village, man. You could only get there by boat. And, you know, I'm talking to different people. Da, 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 they forgot I'm American. So they start connecting <laughs> me to their American-based stories, right? And yeah. this, this is in um, Laos. Yeah, this is in Laos. This ain't even Vietnam. Laos is the country right next to okay. Vietnam. And they took me to this cave and they said, look, man, I'm, like, looking around in there. And it looked like people used to live in here, right? Like, not recently. It was kind of almost like a museum. But it's mm-hmm. just a cave. And they're like, yeah, so during the Vietnam War and even after it, uh, we were bombed every day by Americans, every single day for eight years. And we lived in this cave to protect ourselves from the bombs. I'm like, what? They're like, yeah, they, we were bombed every single year. You know, America dropped more bombs in Laos and in Cambodia, which were neutral during the war, right? They're just next to vietnam we dropped more bombs in those two countries than all of the bombs in world war ii by every country combined right and it's like we don't know none of that right so when we think about even like immigration patterns of asian people coming to this country like now i can better understand why southeast asians their experiences in this country outside of the fact that they're a little bit more brown are very different than an east asian because the immigration patterns are different the reason why they came here is very different is alpha Asylum and refugee status. Right. Escaping war as compared to sometimes East Asians, Chinese, Japanese, the reasons for migration are very different. So it better helps you understand the landscape of the world. Um, you know, even, for example, this COVID thing or whatever. Right. Yeah. If we paid attention, America is like loves America. Right. We don't think nothing else about the world. Yeah. And now uh, we believe that region. we're better. Yeah, we, we literally believe that we're better, right? We've seen what was happening in China. We've seen that it started spreading to Japan, South Korea, Italy. And we literally didn't take the steps to stop it from, from happening here, right? We, we literally thought because our worldview sees ourselves as superior to these other people, right? We allowed ourselves to convince ourselves, our leadership, that we're going to be immune to this. We're going to be better than this. We're America. Like, it's not going to happen here, you know? And, it, and that's why it's hit us worse than any other country, mm-hmm. right? It's just, like, these mythologies that are so built into American identity about, like, American exceptionalism are actually quite catastrophic, right? And allow for so many people right now to die. And for me, you know, I was supposed to take a bunch of uh, high school students to China this yeah. year. So for me, I'm paying attention to the world way back then i cut that i canceled that trip in january right ut didn't end up canceling our study abroad trips till march Mm. like two months later because there's such a lack of like awareness around the world that's important Um, and with the internet and everything making the world so much smaller um you know there's a lot that we could learn from the world there's a lot obviously that we believe the world can learn from us um but man, it's so inspiring, man. You go to like another country, South Africa is one of my favorite countries, and you see these people making, getting it done with such less resources. It makes you, when I come back here, like, all right, how can I better leave? How can I live off less, mm. right? Uh, MLK said one of the diseases of America is materialism, and that what leads to so much racism. Um, and for me, man, just realizing how much more i could do with less and you you learn that by being in other countries and being inspired by people and seeing how they navigate issues and problems and challenges Um, so there's a lot man we could learn about the world and in learning about the world we learn so much about ourselves like you know little stuff you know when you leave the water on who is that actually affecting it's affecting somebody we need leave food on your plate, right? All these little things, right? Who's, who made this shirt? What were the working conditions, right? So before you go buy a new shirt every week, right? Think about the fact that somebody made that shirt and their working conditions probably aren't ideal.
0: All right, I, I think uh, the practice of gratitude is uh, uh, one of those essential components, man, that again, man, these are things I'm working on and the things I encourage my peers to work on, man, because like you said, we, uh, living in America, living in uh such a fast paced environment man we take a lot of things for granted we uh we don't see things on a, we don't think we don't see things happening gl- globally and uh again we just take it we just take little things for granted right so going off that to uh you referenced the uh 100 passports man obviously i know a, i know a lot about it man um followed it from its conception man and uh did my part to help out and uh we did we shot some videos we did some articles man i'm a I'll uh, make sure anyone following this conversation, man. I'll post a link all that stuff, man. And we did a lot of great things, man. Um, yeah, I know it. You said it got canceled, man. But I kind of want you to kind of break down what that uh, initiative was, man. Kind of from the beginning and uh, kind of run me through the timeline, man. For people, yeah. That so don't know.
1: you said something earlier that actually when you were talking about the professor PV, he was talking about like, well, you know, what can you take from these institutions and leverage it to serve others, right? Ultimately, yes. that's what. I I got, so I thought the same thing man. right? Education abroad is transformative for our students, especially our black and brown students. And they're able to navigate it well, better than white students. Um, So how can I leverage that into the community? So I'm like, first and foremost, in order to travel, you need a passport. Even if we just give people, students a passport, it'll allow them to like, think and reimagine beyond what they see, right? So we started with East Austin because East Austin, there's a lot of gentrification. And the black and latino communities are getting pushed pushed further out away from you know their land right where their ground. grounded um, so i started with some of those communities um, built some partnerships with a bunch of different middle schools and you know put out the program so i was going to pay for the passports got about 200 students to apply accepted 100 of them and then we were actually able to give out around 70 passports into the program and what we did was man I, I worked with the passport office at ut And they actually brought all their services, man, out to a community, to the school um, on the east side, Decker Middle School. And thanks for Decker Middle School's leadership for allowing us to host it there or for hosting us there. And we did that because all the people live over there. Right. So it's one thing to provide a service to somebody. But if you're providing someone a service, you're like, hey, well, you got to come way on the other side of town. you got to come to UT where there is no parking. Parking costs ten dollars. you're not really meeting their needs, right? You got to find a way. When you want to serve somebody, you actually got to figure out, well, what are their actual needs before you come up with this whole plan about what you want to introduce? Um, so we did it there. It was dope. I created these little passport booklets for all the students where they could uh, take, like, little, little um, I don't know, things that print out little pictures, a Polaroid picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put yeah. it on there. And then they would go to these different um, spots around the room. And each little location, they had to complete a task and they would get a passport stamp you know, to get them to start to think, what would it mean for me to go to China? What would it mean for me to go to Africa and get all these different passport stamps? Um, so we did that and uh, I had about 70 kids in the program. That was during their eighth grade year. I would meet with them once a month, go to the different schools, which was exhausting, leading the workshops. And then this year in the fall, I suppose, I mean, I started uh, uh, a selection process to ultimately try to pick 25 of them to, take them to China. And you were at that, right? You were at the large group interview. Yes, sir, man. <laughs> Thanks for having <laughs> me there. a lot of fun. Yeah, man. Just had them put them in groups, working on little small projects, doing presentations, really just to get their communication style, a lot of fun. their leadership style, how do they work with one another, and get them to think about what are skills that are actually really important and really essential that, um, you know, are different than math or writing, right? It's communication. Mm. It's empathy. It's your ability to take on a leadership role. Ability to process and be a critical thinker. So the interview was a route about those skills, and then I in- individually interviewed each one of those students. which was mad exhausting. <laughs> oh. Just to, and also to give them some, you know, some professional development experience. Like, what is it? Yeah, for to be in an interview in the ninth grade with the opportunity to go to China on the line, right? all expenses paid trip to China. You know, them kids is nervous. Um, so it was a lot of fun. I eventually selected the twenty-five. And in December and January, right, when we were about to unleash the programming, COVID happened, and uh, so I let them know early that it wasn't gonna happen. Um, And I'm glad I was able to, you know what I'm saying? So not to drag those students along. So I still am connecting with them. I got some summer programming up and ready for them um, just to keep them engaged and just for them to think about how all this stuff right now, we're dealing with is interconnected, right? This Black Lives Matter, it's not just happening here, like Black Lives Matter happen everywhere. When we think about COVID, COVID isn't just negatively impacting Black and Latino folks here. That's everywhere, right? Black people in most countries are at the bottom of the socioeconomic ladder. So when it really does start hitting the global south, COVID, which is kind of right now, man, you get the, the, the numbers of Black people that are going to be impacted, is going to be crazy, right? Uh, so, man, just helping the, to the young people just think about the interconnectedness of some of these issues. And... Um, what opportunities that they have to make change in their own communities and or abroad.
0: Yeah, no, that's a uh, beautiful, I'm happy you, um, that you're still connected with those uh, kids that you selected. And that that's a beautiful thing to me, man. Cause uh, I remember one of the first things that when, once I got that cancellation about the semester, man, uh remote classes, like, man, how's this going to impact Devin and the things he's doing, man. Cause like oh, I man. said, I, I tried to be, uh, I tried to be involved. You know what I'm saying? You had me on a few events and, uh, uh, try to, uh, uh, forecast what you were doing to the best I could right and uh yeah, so yeah man. I definitely was thinking about it man I was like man how is this gonna uh impact Devin and uh but it's beautiful to, that you're still uh ah, I'm supposed to get married
1: in April man I had to cancel that wow man yeah it, so it's it, it, it's it's definitely hit home and what started off the first half of the year man seeming like really challenging canceling you know I had to cancel that program which killed me you know, letting down young imagine, people yeah. never travel, man, that, that killed me. That was like my baby, you know, and then having to cancel. I, I started, a I launched a trip to Dubai this year. Had to cancel that the week before spring break. It was supposed to be on spring break. I had to cancel that the week before. Even still, canceled it before the university canceled all their stuff because again man i think i was just a little bit more in tune with what was going on globally like nah, it's, it's
0: yeah it's back. important yeah. so the university
1: canceled all the study abroad trips like the day before school got out for spring break so left a lot of people who were supposed to travel for spring break or do like different type of um, service learning projects Kind um, and that's pretty late to cancel it um mm. so that then i had to can We you know we canceled the south africa trip to costa yep, rica yep. Um, so we'll started off this year being really tough and challenging. I think in the, and then the, the deaths, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, uh, George Floyd, like, just seemed really heavy, man. But I actually think the second half of this year, I'm like inspired beyond anything I've ever experienced before, man. And I just, think the momentum that is gathering, it's almost like a perfect storm, right? It's almost like a perfect, something that's so bad is gonna hopefully devastate the structures that have held up inequity and uh, racism for so long in this country that it's gonna be a perfect storm to disrupt all that stuff, right? I mean, you've seen what happened with in Minnesota right now, like the university defunded from the police, yep. and the school district defunded from the police. And now the state came in and is investigating the police department. Now they said they're gonna disband the police department, and develop a whole new kind of, community-oriented policing program. Um, and they had Mitt Romney protesting the other day <laughs> and to talk about Black Lives Matter. Um, there's a lot of stuff happening right now that, that's big because of the momentum of all this. You know, the, mo- the momentum of those deaths happening when everybody's at home on social media because they're not at work, because the economy is shut down. Everybody being able to go out and protest days on end because shit a lot of black people are out of work, man. You know what I'm saying? So it's almost like what seems horrible is actually creating the conditions for something beautiful, hopefully to happen. I I realize that I'm also saying that from a very privileged position. I still get a paycheck. Um, you know, I get to work from home. I have the space to work from home. Um, so I, I know people are out there struggling. So I'm, it, when I say a perfect storm, it's not to suggest that people really are struggling right now. Yeah. They are, <laughs> Lives are being lost, you know. Um, a lot of black lives are being lost. Uh, but something is brewing. Something is happening to this country, to this world. You know, we have protests all over globally around Black Lives Matter, right? All right. And um, I think that's the type of energy and pressure that we're gonna need to get this goofball out. But further than that, right? Not only get him out, we need to disrupt some of these structures, right? It's not just individuals who control things, right? It's these structures. Like I think what is happening in Minnesota with the police department. So we'll see what the rest of this year holds. I'm excited.
0: Yeah, you uh, spoke a little bit on the sort of how I've been thinking, man. Is this this, uh, this dissonance as to? Uh, the implications of what has transpired over this, this year, right. With COVID, especially, um, one thing that's happened is it's it's, it's provided me sort of a financial stability with all the, uh, with the cares act and the way UT, I'll give credit to UT for this, uh, the way they've have emergency funds, right. And the way they've uh, given out money to students such as myself. Um, so that's on one end, right. Uh, some sort of financial stability that I haven't had in a long time, but then the dissonance comes in when, uh, like I've, I've had family who's passed away in New Orleans, who, uh, which is one of the hardest hit uh cities, you know, right? Mm-hmm. So I've had family members who've passed away, man. So again, acknowledging that, um, uh, just how again, man, how we're privileged, man, but at the end of the day, man, people are really out here being affected, and uh, again, man, it, disproportionately killing our community specifically, yeah. right? So, uh so, yeah. yeah man but um a little tangent there transitioning to a uh, study abroad man sort of your ethos man and how uh involved you are with that man we I, I don't know if you remember this but when i first got on campus man i was working for the daily Texan, right and i got you, i had you for the article for the it was kind of focusing on study abroad but we took a little diver we took a deeper dive into uh sort of the gender gap right how women are largely outnumbering men in terms of study abroad and uh Sort of the reasons for that, and uh, I remember one of the things we came, uh, one of the uh, the uh, conclusions we came across was sort of uh, women are women are more motivated than men to study abroad, and I feel like that's because uh, men don't see sort of the the end goal, right? We don't see. We don't see the economic growth that can come from studying abroad, right? Um, we we just see it as a my man Brandon, uh, who I interviewed for the piece as well, man. He put it beautifully, man. We just men see it as a trip, right? That's that's it, just a little trip outside the country, man. But in turn, man, you can learn so many different, uh, so many different cultural things. You learn more about cultures, pick up a language, maybe. You know what I'm saying? So there are all these different uh, benefits to potentially studying abroad, man. Just wanted to obviously you're very fluent in this field, man. Could you speak to some of those?
1: things man and how we Before, yeah on a gender piece um yeah man i think man especially for college students man women are just ain't more about it man they active they for take on sure. leadership roles they're the ones speaking up in class sure. i remember people were contest, people,
0: people were saying black i was generalizing. Black
1: matters led by black women you know i mean yeah. black women have forever been at the forefront of shit everything 100% uh, And I think black men are oftentimes get the credit for these things, but we are oftentimes, I think, in many ways trying to catch up. Um, But, yeah, I mean, there's also certain responsibilities as a man growing up in the culture in which we do where you feel like, all right, you got to be the provider, you got to do these things, right? So if you have these certain goals, well, how does study abroad fit into this goal, right? And if you can't necessarily make sense of that, then it's – if it's not helping you reach a goal, then I can see why – you know students are taking advantage of it um but man there's so much to learn there's so much and speaking of gender one of the things that i remember learning when i went abroad for the first couple of times is uh how warped my my perception of masculinity was mm. growing up in la and trying to be tough being mixed or trying to be prove my black maleness whatever that meant and, and the distortions that came along with that um and, you know, you go abroad and you're like, I thought and this is my view back then. You know, I, every time I met somebody, I'm like, oh, this dude's gay. This dude's I just thought all these dudes were gay because they didn't have the same sort of like masculinity that an American man did. They did. not Their body didn't look the same. The way they might move their body looked different. Uh, seeing men hold hands. I'm like, you know, I was,
0: yeah.
1: I was like, what's going on? But it. it it really helped me deconstruct some of the things that were holding up this masculinity in me. I'm like, where is this coming from? Like, why do I think this way? Why do I have to perform in this way to be considered a man, right? And it, and it gave me the space to deconstruct a lot of that stuff for myself, which has been very beneficial in my development as a human being. Um, but man, there's so much there's so much to learn, to do, to experience globally. And I think as Corman, it just helps you see humanity and all all its brightness and all its colors. And it it forces you to pay attention to what's going on in the world, right? Like it forces you, you know, after being in the Middle East, you know, first time like Turkey, which maybe some might consider the Middle East, some might not, or Egypt I went to, you know, and then you start to see like, we see Middle Eastern bodies drop so easily, almost like black bodies. And it's just like, oh, t- t- you know, 50 Syrians died today in a car bomb. Okay, next, right? We don't even care. Yeah. <laughs> and you meet these people and you realize they're just as human as you, you are one and the same. It, it, it's it's so, you just realize how conditioned we are to see certain things. For I'm gonna give this quick story. Yeah. Um, so after I left South Africa, I studied about South Africa my senior year undergrad. And then I was like, I went to Egypt by myself for two weeks and I was, you know, just travel around. That was a big goal of mine. I had always wanted to go to pyramids and stuff. Um, and I went to Sinai, which is like this little stretch of land, looks like a triangle in between, um, the mainland of Egypt and Israel, it's still Egyptian land. And, um, so I went over there. I was, somebody told me it was a nice little spot, forgot the name of the town. So I'm on the bus go up to Israel because I never got off the bus. And then I'm like, oh, maybe I'll go to Israel. The currency exchange was way more expensive than me. I'm taking my ass back to Egypt, right? Hmm. Go back to the bus. I'm like, man, just just drop me off in a town, man. I'm just gonna get off, right? We're communicating broken English. We get to a town. Five minutes before we, we got to the town, I was able to see water like on the side. So I'm like, cool, this is the town for me. I got, there's an ocean, I'm good. Um, get out, I'm walking. I got my backpack and a little duffel bag. And this Jeep rolls up next to me, and these two dudes, these Bedouin men, Bedouins are the people who live there, and they're dressed in traditional Bedouin gear, you know, all white, head wrap and everything. And uh, they're like, hey, man, where are you going? I'm like, um, you know, I'm going down the street. One of the dudes driving was the main dude talking. He's like, hey, man, you need a place to stay. We got a place to stay for you. I'm like, nah, man, I'm good. I'm, I'm going right down the street. I'm walking to my hostel. Like, no nah, man, we got a great place. I, I guarantee you the hostel. You know the place that we're gonna take you to is way better than the hostel where you're going. I'm like, nah, bro. I'm I'm good. You know, I know exactly where I'm going. Mind you, I have no idea where I'm going. Like, I literally just got dropped off in the, at the bus stop in this town. I'm just walking from the bus stop, trying to figure it out. Yeah. And he keeps asking me. So now my body, my you know that you know fight or flight reaction starts coming. And I'm like, all right. What do they want from me? You know. Are they going to try to kidnap me? Like, is there anybody else? Is it just these two dudes in the car? Like, you know, I kind of start tripping, right? Like trying to figure out the situation and protect myself. And I realized what I was doing when I was looking at this man, I was seeing a terrorist. Mm. Right? And that's what I saw. This man asking me to get in his car. I'm like, nah, this dude's a terrorist. He's going to kidnap me. He's going to ransom me. He's going to, you know, those, that's one of them videos them chopping people's heads off was out. I'm going to chop my head off. All this crazy ass mm-hmm. shit, right? And it was almost like this light hit me. And I'm like, Devin, isn't this why you travel? Like, don't you travel to go actually experience these parts of the world for yourself so that you can disrupt the narrative that white America has told you about these people in these places? Right. You thinking he is a terrorist. That's the same worldview that had your ancestors enslaved and dragged across the ocean. Right. That's the same. Worldview that has little kids locked away from their parents on the border right now, right? Like that's the same worldview that limited women's ability to vote for hundreds of years, right? That still limits Black people's ability to vote. That still dehumanizes Black and queer women, right? Like you're taking a white worldview and you're taking it all the way to Egypt and you're placing it on this man in his home country. Like how dare you? Like how dare you? Right? So I got in the car and um, he took me to this little spot and it was amazing. It was right on the Red Sea. I paid $2 a night. I had a straw hut with a mosquito net in it. That's the only thing on the sand. That was it. I woke up every day. The Red Sea was about 15 minutes from, I mean, 15 feet from my little tin hut. Swam in the water. I was the only person in this site. It was just me and the dude who ran it. And I would sit there, chill with him, smoke with him, eat with them, and learn and just talk, have stories and just connect. And it was one of the most beautiful experiences I've ever had. And um, I'm sure, while I'm sure I would have had a beautiful experience in Sinai, even if I would have lived somewhere else, you know, I think that moment Mm -hmm. helped me realize how indoctrinated we are with certain views from media and this and that, and even somebody who thought like, you know, I worked at a nonprofit, I thought I got it, and I was like socially justice oriented, realize how indoctrinated and subconscious this stuff is in our brains, right? So it's not just about like learning new things about new cultures and new parts of the world and new foods and new holidays, like that's not what globalization is about, right? It's also about unlearning what you've been taught to think about these different parts of the world unlearning the tricks that imperialism and colonialism have played on you and your mind, right? Like our minds are colonized to think certain things about other people and to think certain things about ourselves, right? And there's a lot of unlearning that we have to do. And I think when you travel abroad, that smacks you in the face right away. You realize, damn, I got a lot to learn. Damn, I didn't know this. Damn, I didn't know that. And you're so uncomfortable the whole time Right. Trying to figure stuff out that you get comfortable being in areas of discomfort and you get comfortable growing and learning and maturing. And um, just it's a great learning. And man, it's also a privileged thing, right? As Americans, we can travel, we can afford it. One, um, our visas, our passport allows us to go anywhere. Um, so it's also a very privileged thing, but I think that it can have some huge benefits and rewards, especially if we're going and not just as tourists and you know, staying at these nice hotels that don't put any of the money back into the community, right? But you're going and you're being a sustainable travel, you're limiting your impact. Um, and you're putting your money like in local people's hands, right? You're going to local restaurants, you're staying with local people. You know, I've stayed at so many people's houses, like a little hostel built off the side of their house stuff like that. Restaurants built, you know, in their people's garages. Um, and in doing so, man, it just just settles,
0: everything. Right? <laughs> Yeah. So, Man, no, I, I could definitely appreciate that story, man. That's a beautiful way to look at, again, globalization and just study abroad all together, right? Um, let me play devil's advocate though, because I feel like that's important to kind of unpacking things and addressing both sides. So I hear you saying all this. And uh, as a college student, I sit here, man, that's a beautiful thing, right? I, I study abroad, um, uh, a limited amount of benefits, a limited amount of fulfillment and experiences I could take with me forever, right? Not, not, I can I can not only put this on a college resume, but I can also apply this culture, what I've learned, uh, apply it to people, connect different people to different to other people you know be a bridge sort of bridge the gap between different demographics right and uh, as a college student uh, trying to who comes into college and looks at it like okay this is beautiful but financially man how especially the black community financially right coming in how am I gonna afford to get these experiences man I know this is a lot of the work you do so I'm happy to ask you this question how do you specifically the black community, right? Not the black people of color. How do you break down, man, this financial barrier that comes with studying abroad, right? And how do we uh, not only jump over that hurdle, man, but we, we go out there and go get it.
1: Yeah, that's a great question, especially in the wake of COVID, man. And realizing that we primarily target and recruit, you know, black first gen students, right because those are students we we want to provide these opportunities to because they traditionally get overlooked but now understanding like the the impact that covid is going to have on people's finances is going to be different right so part of it is like my job is also create like what kind of global learning experiences can people have locally right um and that means both engaging with international students that means becoming more aware of taking classes that help us get outside of this box um but in terms of like actually just like actually figuring out the finances man i always tell people there's always going to be reasons not to you got to find the reasons why if it's your goal Mm -hmm. to go you got to be able to find the reasons why don't be my fiance often says like don't be the person to tell yourself no right because once that happens yeah you never even gave yourself a shot to go you literally never even gave yourself an opportunity and then, yeah, in, in the long run, you could blame it. It was too expensive. You could blame it on finances, but it was really the fact that you actually didn't try. You might right? want to Yeah, so there's different things. And I'll give you this one example. You can study abroad at a university in Mexico for a semester for cheaper than you can at UT, right? Mm-hmm. Because the cost of living is cheaper down there, the food is cheaper down there. So while the flight may cost you five hundred dollars when you break that out over five months of being a bride that's a hundred dollars a month and the cost of living down there is way less than a hundred dollars a month so you're actually making up that money right so there are opportunities not all of them are cheap you know the programs that we run in south africa and china they got a hefty price tag on them but you know what we do is i help students you know all right learn how to apply for things right and that's Hopefully to get you some money for this particular trip, but that's also a great skill about how do you start to write for grants, right? How do you start to write for you know different proposals? How do you start think about can you study something over there that's worth studying? So then also some students write research proposals that they can use to get money. Um, how do you help people develop marketing skills, right? So it's like all right, you want to do a GoFundMe. Well, why why should somebody invest, right? Maybe you're going to say hey for every you know for a hundred dollars that gives me two nights stay you know help people make sense of the money that they're trying to donate to you or also maybe you'll be able to be like all right for every twenty dollars donated to me i'm gonna give somebody a bracelet if you donate a hundred dollars you get a bracelet and when i come back i'm gonna cook you a traditional home-cooked meal so there's so many skills you can actually build professional development skills you can actually build in trying to figure out this goal right right that yeah, you might get raised 3000 $4,000. You know, my job is also to find donors and things like that to sell, support students, right? So that's something that I try to do on my end um, and also get student narratives to provide to donors. But all that stuff is going to look shaky this year, man, because everybody lost money. So I, I, it's a great question that you're asking. I think it's going to be a great challenge for us. Um, but again, I think for most people, I think, man, if, if you really want something to happen, get in the habit of making it happen. Because even if you take, like, I owe 60 racks in loans. Most of that is from my undergrad traveling experiences. But those experiences put me on a trajectory where it's like now I have a PhD. I got a great family, solid house, solid salary, and I can pay those loans. Right, And if I would have never took that opportunity and like that risk, then I would never, I wouldn't be here today. You know what I'm saying? So maybe I'd have $5,000 in loans, but maybe I'd mess- make $20,000 less a year. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't have a PhD and I definitely wouldn't be doing what I love to do. And that kind of goes back to what I, what I said to you earlier, like people got in get in the habit of accomplishing goals that they set for themselves, Right. Now, maybe you do want to study abroad, but maybe that doesn't actually align with the goals that you have set for yourself. So maybe you don't do it. Right. Maybe what you do is say, you know what? I'm going to save twenty five dollars a month so that by junior year, I'm going to be able to go on a one week um, trip to Puerto Rico and do some community service work there. So maybe you don't get the full study abroad experience here. Right. But if it's still a goal, there's still a way that you can accomplish it um so yeah finances deter a lot of people it's a very real situation um but finances deterred a lot of black folk from going to college over many years right but at the end of the day some folks were like nah i need to do it and make this investment in myself and we believe the same thing with international education right it's an investment in yourself it's an investment in your future once I started traveling abroad, man, my little brother started traveling. He's been in hella countries. He's lived in hella countries. Uh, he lived in a jungle in Uruguay for a month, walking a puma every day into the jungle for five hours. You know what I'm saying? So you never know when, what experience that. And he owes way less in loans than I do, right? But by me taking on that burden of loans and me like going for what I want, and him seeing that he studied abroad for a year in Mexico, he's lived. A year in Australia. He went to a World Cup game in Brazil, backpacked through South America for six months. He's had all these crazy experiences. And I'll say this, he wanted to go to business school and he didn't have all, he didn't have business experience like the rest of these students did or whatever. He had his undergrad degree. He had worked at a couple of different businesses along the way. But since he traveled so much, a lot of his professional experience was in food and beverage. And, you know, he also taught in Korea and these different things. So he's trying to figure out, how, you know, what's my angle for, for business school? And what he told him is, he said, I have a history of accomplishing goals that I set. I wanted to go teach in Korea. I did that. I wanted to go live in Australia. I did that. I wanted to go to a World Cup game in Brazil. I did that. I wanted to walk a fucking puma through a jungle every day. And I did that. Now I want to go to business school. And I want to do well. And I want to be a leader in your business school. I have a history of accomplishing my goals. That's what I can bring to the table. Uh, Hey, he got in, he got a full tuition scholarship to go to business school. And when he got there, he became a leader. He got a job and now he's become a leader in his, his own company because he has a history of accomplishing things that he set out to do. So many of us, we get taught to do what, we're socialized into doing but before long you don't even have a sense of your own soul and purpose and like what is your angle right like who actually are you because you've been constantly adjusting to what other people expect or other people tell you to do um so again man i think it's i think the world will be a lot better place for those of us with the privilege to do what we're called to do uh, to actually do it right, we kind of be set for
0: ourselves, yeah, man. Uh, the, thanks for the transparency, and man, thanks for that story, bro. That's that's beautiful, man. I'm glad to report to you, man, that uh, I actually booked a trip to Tokyo, man. Uh, for oh, January, what? yeah, really? last night, bro. Me and the homies, man, we're gonna uh, we, we don't book the little flight to Tokyo for January. Obviously, we'll see how the COVID stuff play out. Um, but yeah, yeah man, sure I'm sure it's excited. on
1: that
0: flight though, right? Oh, hey, Air Canada, you better insure me. <laughs> Nah, man, but I'm happy to report that to you, man, because uh, you're kind of, uh, you're kind of if, if anyone's ever inspired me to take on these challenges and uh, especially globally, man, and be a global citizen, man, it's definitely you, man. And, uh, you know, I think that's just you uh, know what you don't
1: get out there, man. Like, I went to Japan for one night. I was in Korea and I had to, like, go to renew my visa or whatever. I just had to get out of the country. I went walking around by myself. They have these little restaurants that are kind of like outdoor bar, like little stands almost, almost like a little taco stand or something. I get a drink, I start talking. This couple comes up, they start talking to me, broken, you know, English. So it's them two, me and the bartender dude. I stayed there all night for like five hours, just had this conversation, went and slept in like a video game room. You could play like you can rent out rooms to play video games in like Asian countries and it's cheaper than a hotel so i just was like i'm gonna That's rent this nice. play a video game and just sleep on the floor and that was my experience in japan but i always remember these two japanese people engaging me for 4 hours and having a dope conversation and they gave me this nickname yoshio which was the name on my facebook for 12 years it means like global person like travel person and um just a great memory you know what i'm saying and and that's what I when I think of meet Japanese people right now. Like I have this good dope memory to think of them through. So I hope you have a great time out there, bro. And uh, bless,
0: bro. I appreciate that, man. I'll definitely keep you up on uh, how that trip plays out, man. I'm sure I'll see you before I take off, you know, with, since we're returning back to campus and everything. So yeah, I'll yeah. definitely keep you up on that, man. Um,
1: I'm about rep- <laughs> I got doctor. Uh, so you know, Doctor Marti is the Black Power movement and the race nature. Yeah. So yeah. this year he said, uh, he wants me to co-teach the race in the age of Trump, which is a class for the first year. going to be about 500 students. So I'm lit and we're going to be in person. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited, man.
0: For sure, man. Like I said, man, I haven't met Dr. Moore, man, but if he's anything like you, man, I I'm sure he's a great dude, man. Uh, just to, I guess, wrap things up, man. Uh, I guess what's kind of next for the world Walker foundation, man. And, uh, obviously 100 passports got canceled and, uh, what's kind of next for you man i guess as yeah far yeah as, so like, world like,
1: walker is is a nonprofit that i started a couple of years yeah. ago to help black and brown students travel abroad um which when i got this job at ut you know really he kind of gave me like the same mission so i kind of haven't put as much energy as into that because i feel like i'm doing that through my current work um, but um yeah man i want to continue to build some more trips we got a partner right now that we're in south africa that we're trying to raise some money for bethel projects for women. They do amazing work um, and um, feeding a bunch of people and the COVID has hit them really hard. Mm. So we just did a fundraiser and, you know, I made a little video and then one of the other students who went on the South Africa trip, he was, he remembers being really inspired by her. And this is the impact that study abroad can have. So he leveraged his resources here. He put together like a little Instagram series of posts and he already raised over $1,500 for her and like that beats so many people over there so it's again man it it, like something about going abroad and traveling makes you realize like you have power to make change right and five dollars here is a lot of money over there and he was able to leverage his platform and just who he was here to serve her and now she's serving all these people over there man so so i hope i can continue to inspire young people and continue to be inspired by young people continue travel meet new people, travel. My daughter, she was supposed to go with us to Dubai this year and South Africa. Those both got stripped from her, so that was really disappointing. Uh, But, yeah, man, excited about the year, excited about the world. Uh, Hopefully one day I'll get married. You know, we'll see. see.
0: I'm rooting for you. (laughs) We'll
1: see what the future holds, man. You know what I'm saying?
0: for sure. Uh well man, thank you for your time man and I, again man, I can't stress this enough being sort of a mentor for me, especially coming in again from PV to UT, uh, culture shock man. You've kind of took me under your wing man. Uh just uh a lot of respect man. I definitely appreciate all, all you've done for me and uh yeah, any way I could help you out man. And doing man, this podcast you man. I, yeah,
1: you've helped me a great deal man. So when you get it released man, let me know. I'll, I'll put it put a link to it on our website. Um uh, Hey, you're a go-getter, man. You you get things done. I knew that at the moment I met you. You, you had ideas, you go get them done. Uh, and who knows? That might have been might you might have get a little bit of that from coming from PB because you come in you came in a little more hungry than most students I meet. So I appreciate and I like a lot from you as well, my man.
0: Wow, that means a lot to me, man. Thank you so much for being on, uh, Dr. Devin Walker, man. Thank you.
1: Yes, sir.